Parashurama. Deva, Deva as demigods. Jasa as an aquatic. Such as the fish and tortoise. By such different incarnations. Lokan. All the different planetary systems. All the different planetary systems. Vivavayasi, Vivavayasi, you protect, you protect. Hamsi, Hamsi, you sometimes kill, you sometimes kill. Jagatpatipan, Jagatpatipan, persons who have simply created trouble in the world. Persons who have simply created trouble in the world. Dharmam, Dharmam, the principles of religion. The principles of religion. Mahapurusha, Mahapurusha. A great personality. A great personality. Pasi. Pasi. Protect. Protect. Yuga Anuktam. Yuga Anuktam. According to the different millenniums. According to the different millenniums. Janaha. Janaha. Covered. Covered. Kalo. Kalo. In the age of Kali. In the age of Kali. Yet. Yet. Since. Since. Abhavaha. Abhavaha. Have been, have been, and will be in the future. And will be in the future. Triyugaha, Triyugaha, named Triyuga, named Triyuga. Atta, Atta, therefore, therefore, Saha, Saha, the same personality, the same personality from, from you. you. Translation: In this way, my lord, you appear in various incarnations as a human being an animal, a great saint, a demigod, a fish, or a tortoise, thus maintaining the entire creation in different planetary systems and killing the demoniac principles. According to the age of my Lord, you protect the principles of religion. In the age of Kali, however, you do not assert yourself as the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and therefore you are known as Triyuga, or the Lord who appears in three Yugas. Srila <coughs> Prabhupada's purport. As the Lord appeared just to maintain Lord Brahma from the attack of Madhu in Kaitava, he also appeared to protect the great devotee, Prahlad Maharaj. Similarly, Lord Chaitanya appeared in order to protect the fallen souls of Kali Yuga. There are four Yugas or millenniums, Satya, Chaita, Rava, and Kali. In all the Yugas but Kali Yuga, the Lord appears in various incarnations and asserts himself as the Supreme Personality of Godhead. But although Lord Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu who appears in Kali Yuga, is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. He never asserted himself as such. On the contrary, whenever Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was addressed as being as good as Krishna, he blocked his ears with his hands and deny, denying his identity with Krishna because he was playing the part of a devotee. Lord Chaitanya knew that in Kali Yuga, 
there would be many bogus incarnations pretending to be God and therefore he avoided asserting himself as the supreme personality of Godhead. Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is accepted as the supreme personality of Godhead, however, in many Vedic literatures, especially in the Srimad Bhagavatam 11.5.32, Krishna Varnam Trisha Krishnam Sangopangastra Parishadam Yajnai Sankirtana Prayaya Yajantihi Sumedasaha. In Kali Yuga, intelligent men worship the Supreme Personality of Godhead in the form of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who is always accompanied by his associates, such as Nityananda, Advaita, Vidadhar, and Shivas. The entire Krishna consciousness movement is based on the principle of the Sankirtan movement inaugurated by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Therefore, one who tries to understand the Supreme Personality of Godhead through the medium of the Sankirtan movement knows everything perfectly. He is Sumedas, a person with substantial intelligence. Nama Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prasthaya Bhutale Srimati Bhaktivedanta Swamini Dinamane Namaste Sarasate Deve Gauravani Pacharine Nirvishesha Shriyamani Maschachadeva Omangyanam Timurandasya Dhananjana Shalakaya Chakshur Mitramenai Tasmai Shri Guruvi Namaha Vamshakalupa Pridvasya Pridvasindu Devasya so the Sringadev is being prayed to here in this way by uh, Prahlad Maharaj. Uh, he says, Itam, in this way, uh, uh, then he gives a list. Mri, uh, Kirya, Ishi, Deva, uh, Jasa, uh, the different kinds of uh, avatars. Prabhupada makes use of the English word incarnation, which has currency in uh, Christianity. Uh, literally, uh, at least etymologically, it's a little misleading because uh, incarnation means literally to take on flesh. Uh, uh, carne is the Latin word for flesh. And so, uh, there's the Christian doctrine about Jesus that he took on a, he was a human, he had a fully human you know, a material person uh, so don't be misled by incarnation uh, but avatar at this point at least in my country you can use the word avatar because it's an English word, it's moved its way into the uh, English language dictionary as a term uh, used when people are playing video games, their person in the game world is their avatar. Uh, so now you can say avatar, actually. <coughs> well, but they've misused it just like everything else. Or sometimes it's used in an exemplary, the, the uh, avatar of arbitrage, you know, for some businessman or something, an example. But, we can, but you can use the word and you explain what it means. One who comes down. This is the true meaning of avatar, one who descends. 
that's what Krishna does. It is not that he takes on a material form. Why? Where do all these forms come from? Well, Janmadasiyataha. Everything is there in, in, the, in the source. The Krishna is the God is that which everything comes. And Prabhupada points out you cannot give what you have not got. Uh, and so the idea that God was first there, there in, in, in the source of everything, the Brahman, Supreme Brahman, was impersonal and then became a person, is wrong. Because personality is there. And all these different varieties of species and everything, it is there. there this, the, he's the seed-giving father. Uh, so uh, uh, Krishna is full of uh, vishesha, uh, variety. That is to say, a particular, something that can be named as a particular uh, feature of something is a, is a vishesha. Uh, and Mayavad philosophy is near vishesha. And they say, well, if the, the, the objection to Mayavad philosophy is that you say God is a person, like you say Krishna, a person that I can name, an individual name, uh, then you say you've limited God. Because you said this and not that. I'm, I'm an individual. I have a, a, a name uh, that denotes me, a proper name. But uh, that means I have a boundary. Here, my skin is the boundary. Uh, I, I start here. And then there's something that's not me. Over there. Uh, and, and so... Uh, uh, people object to the idea that God is a person. Um, I had uh, once, a, 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 when I was giving a talk in the early days of the movement, uh, someone says, oh, don't limit it by giving it a name. And this is a young lady, and I said to her, uh, I said, uh, her name was Karen, I said, what if somebody said that Karen is a nice girl, and I said, don't limit it by giving it a name. Is, is that a very nice? Would you appreciate that? As, you know, it, uh, a name? Or the other people say, I think God is just energy. Now, now notice the just. Like electricity, something you could come and use, you know, and you're greater than, than that. So if God is just energy, that's also a limitation. If God is simply... Uh, an amorphous, uh, uh, undifferentiated life, that's a limitation too. So, so God is not, the impersonal feature is there, but also personal. So the, the, here you have an idea how great God is. How great God is. They have such, uh, people have limited imagination and they project some idea about God and it's always little. <coughs> the great denier uh, of God uh, in the Western world, uh, Frederick Nietzsche, gets credit for that, although he's not the only one to do it. You know, he said God is dead, and his idea of God was some kind of, you know, 19th century burgermeister, <laughs> stuffy, proper, and above all, boring. Uh, because he also said, I would believe in a God who would be able to dance. <laughs> Thinking that God, of course, couldn't do that. Uh, uh, so, but here's how great God is. 
and you can't just say no. You can't do that. You can't. You can't appear uh, uh, here. Uh, uh, human being. Okay, we understand that. But then they say Kiryat, uh, a boar, an animal. Why? Well, why not? You're going to stop him? Uh, he's having fun. So he has, and all different human forms too. Because that's how he's unlimited. You could say, oh, if Krishna's black, then he's not green. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he, he, you know, he, he's a rainbow coalition of colors, you know, every, everything there, and all the colors are there. He, he's not limited. If he's a this and he's not that, no, so many forms of Godhead. Uncountable, like, and they come down like, like, like the waves of a waterfall or waves of the ocean. They, they're coming down. Uh, this is how great God is. He, he can, he can do this. He has so many different forms. So he has unlimited forms, anantarupa, unlimited forms, and that its form is unlimited. You may think this anantarupa is itself a, a self-contradiction. Uh, but no, because uh, he has unlimited forms and he's also unlimited. Because there's Krishna and then there's Krishna's environment, but that environment is Krishna in another form. So nothing is different from Krishna, yet Krishna is different from everything. This is how Prabhupada put this in Chincha Beta Beta last purport of Bhagavad Nothing is different from Krishna, yet Krishna is different from everything. And there's different ways of being different, too. That's also been explained. Uh, different kinds of differences. The difference that Krishna has with himself, the difference he has with other beings in the spiritual world, the difference he has with material energy, with the spiritual energy. That, this is variety. And yet there's, it's unified. There's unity and variety. Another place Prabhupada says in Chaitanya Charitamrita, there's nothing but Sri Krishna, yet nothing is Sri Krishna save and accept his own primordial personality. That's another way of... of uh, so, so this achincha veda veda tattva is our way of seeing. It's a, it's, a, it's a philosophy, a darshan, but it's the way we have to see the world. Uh, that uh, nothing is different from Krishna, yet Krishna is different from everything. And that's the devotee's appreciation. And as he appears in all these different ways, some of it's for fun. God can't have fun. We can have fun, but when you go to church, it's boring. That's what I, I thought anyway, because... When I was uh, when I was a small child and uh, going to uh, Sunday school and uh, uh, and they were explaining the concept of being all powerful to me, God is all powerful, and I thought okay, uh, and I thought about it a while, and then I thought, well, if He's all powerful, He has unlimited power, then the job of of uh, creating the world, you know, which is, uh, seven days labor in the Bible. Uh, it wouldn't be hard work for him. Neither would it be hard work for him to manage the whole thing. It would be easy. So therefore, it would be boring. Right? It would be boring. Uh, and so then I thought, then what does God do with his time? 
And I asked my teachers and uh, minister, what does God do uh, in, uh, in, uh, in his own kingdom, in heaven? They didn't know, really. I never thought of that. They said, I don't know. I had just sort of, sort of sitting in the throne, sitting there, doing nothing. <laughs> and then I understood what church was for, to give you a taste for boredom. <laughs> Because that's where you were going. <laughs> so this is this is this is uh, here. We know what he does, as Prabhupada said once. We know his name. We know his address. We know his family members. There <laughs> be a phone number. We all of that. We we we, we have this information that, that's given. So uh, when one makes the claim that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead under uh, the classic definition from St. Anselm and the Christians, a God a greater than which, uh, a God a being a greater than which none can be conceived. Uh, you, can't think, you can't think of anyone greater. That's the definition of God. We can explain Krishna. Now you tell me the, just the idea of someone that's greater. I don't think they can do it. They can't. Here, here, here's what it means to be a being no greater than which anyone can be conceived. People have a partial realization, and of course a partial realization is true. Uh, Brahman is a partial realization, Paramatma is a partial realization, Bhagavan, uh, more. Uh, uh, they have also, uh, you know, some idea. Uh, it, it, that, that in Jesus Christ there's a, a representation of God, Prabhupada was fully conversant with that. Uh, and uh, uh, if you, you read the Quran, it's great. I mean, it's a really makes uh, you pious. Uh, but they're all limited perspectives, and one, the tendency is to take some limited thing and then. Uh, it's just like material scientists. You know, they find one truth, like Newton, a few laws of motion, and it's true as so far as he knows, but then they make it the key to all and everything. And then uh, what doesn't fit, what they can't understand or can't explain or can't turn into numbers, then it's not there. Just because, you, know, you can say it's useful to look at the world in terms of numbers sometimes, but to say, the world is only that which can be completely exhaustively explained in terms of numbers, then you have modern mechanistic science. And that's just pride. So the antidote to pride is to see who's really great, and here's Krishna. So here, the, he gives the list. He sees the Srinidhi, and he recognizes him as the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and he recognizes his biography. This Bhagavatam is the biography of God. And, and by the way, as big as it is, it's partial. Because there are many more volumes of Bhagavatam, even in Swargaloka. So, because God is unlimited, actually, his, his biography will also be more pages being added, actually. It's going on uh, like that. So this is, our, this is the appreciation that Prahlad has, seeing the Sringadev before him, here, here you, you've come again, uh, and he's, uh, according to uh, what we know, he says, uh, you, 
You both protect and kill. And, and Krishna gives his succinct mission statement in uh, Bhagavad Gita, Pratikkanayam Sadhinam Vinasayatapuskritam. This is what, this is his, his mission. He, he intervenes from time to time and makes a correction. Uh, and mostly to protect the devotees, the sadhus, the pious people, and, and to, uh, from the, those who have, Prabhupada says, jagat pratipam, persons who have simply created trouble in the world, and then uh, protect dharma. Uh, to protect dharma. Uh, according to the different millenniums. Uh, Prabhupada uses the word millennium for yuga. Uh, technically, uh, millennium means a thousand years. Millennium uh, in Latin. <coughs> Uh, but that's what. And here's the verse uh, in the Bhagavatam where it says that in Kali Yuga, he is covered, obscured. Uh, in Kali Yuga, he is covered. This is the place. Uh, earlier, Prabhupada quotes where, where um, in Bhagavatam 5, 11.5.33, where Karabhajana, one of the nine Yogendras, is speaking to King Nimi. And uh, as, uh, who asked him what, what, after what are the avatars in the different ages, and he describes them. And then when he mentions the Kali Yuga avatar, he uh, 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 gives this uh, uh, verse, Krishna Varnam Tusha Krishna Parshadam, which describes Mahaprabhu. Uh, and uh, and so this is this is from that. That so there it's mentioned in the Bhagavatam that there's an avatar for every yuga, uh, even though he's known as Tri Yuga. He appears in three yugas, therefore there it says there's an avatar. So here, uh, in case you were confused, it's cleared up that that in the Kali Yuga uh, you are covered, uh, and then Prabhupada explains what it means that Mahaprabhu is covered. Same mission statement, but he comes as a devotee. Again, it's for to increase his enjoyment. He takes on the form of a devotee. This is explained very elaborately in the Chaitanya Charitamrita that Krishna looks at, at Radharani and he's thinking, you know, Radharani. She's so much in love with me, and she derives such bliss from me. Uh, and and, and uh, so she, 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 she's the person that has this feeling, uh, the ashraya of her feeling, the shelter. And I'm the Visha, I'm the object that inspires this love in her. When I look at her love, it's so amazing and so incredible. That I, that I can't really understand it from my point of view. <coughs> from my point of view. And the other thing is, she's in, she's enjoying more bliss than me, maybe. You know, I'm the supremely blissful person, but it looks to me like her bliss is even greater. And I want to understand it. I want to taste it for myself. I'm, 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 
you know, he seems like he's limited in this way. You know, I want to taste it for myself. But I can't because and I'm, I'm the one that inspires it. And anyway, what is it about me that inspires such bliss in Radharani? I'd like to see what I look like in her eyes. So, so for these reasons, and this is something eternal, I mean, Lord Chaitanya, like all the avatars, he eternally exists in the spiritual world. There is this feature of Krishna where he takes on the um, the 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 color uh, uh, and the feelings of Radharani. Uh, so he can also be, if he's going to be the supreme worshipped, he also wants to be the supreme worshipper. You can't limit him. So th th this is you know, really far out, and it's far out enough to be true. <laughs> So this is uh, the unlimited Supreme Lord. So this is where it, 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 his, his uh, coming is, is predicted. Uh, and in the next verses after that, there's two, the meter changes. Uh, and there's two verses with the frame, refrain, Mahapurusha. Uh, Mahapurusha. Mahapurusha. Thank you. The, these are the, the, the two verses to Mahapurusha. And here, the, the, the other question, what uh, is his name? The name Mahapurusha is there. Uh, and uh, in Sridhar's Prabhupada remarks that in Sridhar Swami's commentary, the, he takes those verses to refer to Ramachandra. Uh, but then Jiva Goswami shows how the same verses refer to Ramachandra. And the same words understood in a different way to Lord Krishna, and then in another way to Lord Chaitanya. And then he points out Lord Chaitanya once in a while in a few confidential situations showed his divinity. Otherwise he didn't want to know. He didn't want to be addressed as God. He didn't want to spoil his, his uh, enjoyment uh, of tasting the nectar of devotion. <laughs> I didn't want to uh, spoil it, but a few times he revealed himself as the supreme personality of Godhead. At Srivas's house, on one memorial occasion where uh, he showed all the different forms of uh, different avatars, and, and of course to a few people the Sadbuja, which which showed uh, to to Mahaprabhu Puruja uh, the the form of. Uh, Combined form of uh, Ramachandra, uh, Krishna, and Mahaprabhu. So he did. He did reveal, but otherwise it was pretty confidential. Later on, you know, it was broadcast by Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami and the in the, uh, in the uh, Charitamrita, so that we would understand who we are de dealing with. And it says in this verse that people who have sufficient intelligence. And Natus means uh, brains, and so Sumatus, who have really good intelligence, will worship him in, in, uh, in, uh, in this way. Uh, so, uh, so here, uh, Prahlad Maharaj also understands that in Kali Yuga, uh, you, you will be uh, covered, and therefore you are known as uh, uh, Tri Yuga. So that you come and you give your mission statement. 
And so he's really appreciating what the Lord has done for him. Particularly uh, to kill the big demon who is creating trouble in the universe and to protect Dharma so that the Devas could now reassert their reign over a part of the captured territory. And so that he, Prahlad himself, uh, would be satisfied by seeing uh, the Lord. May I suggest that you kindly open these three windows fully because we are many people in a small room. I'm going to zoom in on the uh, last statement of this purport. Srila uh, uh, Prabhupada quotes this verse many times, Krishna Varanam Krishna Krishna. And he explains the word Sumedasaha as having sufficient intelligence, as having sufficient brain substance. Uh, such persons will worship Chaitanya Mahaprabhu by the process of Sankirtan. Uh, so what does this good intelligence mean? What is the meaning of intelligence? Intelligence is one of those abstract terms which everyone more or less has an idea what it means, but if you try to define it, you realize that it's very difficult to understand what it actually means and to precisely define it. <clears throat> there are different kinds of intelligence uh, that human beings have. For instance, good memory is a symptom of intelligence. Uh, the ability to think in abstract ways, to understand abstract concepts, and to work with them, for instance, in mathematics and in many other fields. The ability to learn new skills, to learn new languages, or whatever. Uh, we also talk about practical intelligence. And it's not that someone, it's very unusual that someone's intelligent and all around intelligent. We often hear about, at least in English, and I'm sure you have them in Germany also, the absent-minded professor who's uh, very intelligently thinking about so many things, but he can't find his spectacles, which he's pushed up 
Practical intelligence that may manifest business intelligence. Shiva Prabhupada, he uh, once visited with many of his disciples a place called Modi Naga, which was named after a certain Modi, not the one <laughs> in the news nowadays. Uh, who Shiva Prabhupada pointed out in private conversation, he was barely literate, but he was intelligent enough business intelligence to have a whole uh, in industrial complex uh, named after him. Uh, similarly, Henry the Fourth the First is reputed to be not much school, but he had business intelligence enough to start off uh, one of the most famous companies in the world even today. So there are different kinds of intelligence, and we see even some subhuman species, they have some kinds of intelligence that humans don't have. Uh, they probably don't have even a concept of what it means to be intelligent, but they somehow out in the great ocean, the salmon founds, finds her way back to the spawning ground. So if we were dumped in the ocean and told just to swim, apart from the fact that we don't have the ability to swim across half an ocean, to find our way just out in the ocean, we wouldn't be able to do it. We don't have that kind of intelligence. Uh, in our modern technological scientific age, persons are considered particularly intelligent, and of course this is a very broad statement, if they can apply their thought processes to various problems and overcome them, such as political problems. We don't find much success, but people uh, are trying to solve those political problems, philosophical problems, psychological problems, and those who become most praised as great uh, intellectuals, highly intelligent people, are those who successfully uh, apply their intelligence to overcoming various problems in science and technology. There may be very intelligent people who spend their whole life working on various scientific problems and they're not blessed by Krishna, although they wouldn't take it like that to find out what the solution is. But those who come up with some solution, they become lauded as highly intelligent. And the best example of that in recent history is uh, one Einstein. And there are many others. Uh, I would say most of the uh, famous intellectuals in recent history are mostly in the science fields. What do you think about no. that? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, either directly in science or thinking about science. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're the ones that get funded anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. <laughs> uh, because you may say, well, why? Didn't Einstein chant Hare Krishna? And one answer to that might be, well, Srila Prabhupada hadn't come to the West by that time. But even though he famously said, and is uh, considered to be one of his dumbest statements among the scientific orthodoxy, that he doesn't believe that God plays dice with the universe, he wasn't, he's not famous for being a great theist. 
And today, probably the most prominent theists in the world, uh, sorry, intellectuals in the world, are evangelically atheistic, if you can put those two words together. So why don't they chant Hare Krishna? If they're big intelligence, then why don't they... Well, Srila Prabhupada, he, he tongue-in-cheek, deals with this in his in the beginning of his commentary on the Namangrishvijanomuhavas, and when he, in which he says that there are many great scientists, philosophers, intellectuals, and why don't they surrender to Krishna? And I'm paraphrasing, but he says, because they're envious of Krishna, they're demons. Actually, that's the reason. They have... Uh, <coughs> accepted a kind of intelligence by which they are determined to go to hell uh, they don't they don't want to go to Krishna even if they come together and they're searching for whatever it may be the, the uh, dark mass in the universe or they're searching for this or that, they're searching for this unified field theory. Uh, but they take it as axiomatic that there cannot be any metaphysical cause. I've just been going through some uh, philosophy of science course, and the, 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 the consistent endeavor is to rule out anything metaphysical. As soon as anything abstract comes in, then immediately the, the philosopher is shut down. You cannot accept them, which isn't very... If we take science to be what it should be, uh, then why not have any metaphysical aspect? But they're just doggedly... Doggedly. They're doggedly anti-anything that we can't understand or we can't take under our intelligence and go against any higher power. And the uh, <coughs> verse here that Srila Prabhupada called it, Su Medasaha, people who are actually intelligent. Su can mean uh, an intensifier, very. Uh, it can also mean that which is very good. The opposite is Ku, Ku so we find that people, certain people are very intelligent and they're very intelligent in solving various problems, mostly that which other scientists have created in the present day. As it's stated in Bhagavatam, that we solve problems, uh, solving problems in the material world is like taking a weight off one shoulder and putting it on the other. And for a, for a few meters as we're walking along, we think, ah, that was very good. And then we find out, oh, I've got another problem. Of course, life is much more complex than that. But real intelligence begins with, as we understand uh, from Shastra, atato brahma jignasa, to inquire into Brahma. And Brahma means that from which everything comes, that which everything rests, that in which everything ultimately uh, enters again. So we may say, or the scientists may say, that they are 
also searching for that. But they, again, they, they presume, they're, they're determined not to be Krishna conscious, they're determined not to accept any metaphysical cause. I heard once uh, through Dhammadama, say he'd attended some conference in which scientists from all over the world, they were, they were uh, discussing about the origin of the universe and that they made a resolution at the beginning of the conference that we're not going to talk about anything, God or any such thing. Why, why not? As a, uh, as a hypothetical proposition, it seems to be a very good one that there is someone who designed it all. But it's not allowed in science. And if you take all the observed data, it all fits into that theory. But they don't want it. Because there are Danta Gopi and Vishadanta this one. They, their senses are uncontrolled. They take sense gratification to be the be all and end of all of life. And the result is that they enter into greater and greater darkness. So that we see. Uh, Tamisram, that's generally taken to mean that hell. But practically speaking, we can see that for all the great intelligence of people to, not only in science, but in social engineering and different ideas about the the way human society should be set up for, for, for generations since time immemorial we got it all wrong now we got it right uh, now we understand that uh, marriage is not required only for homosexuals um, <laughs> heterosexuals don't need it homosexuals do need it you can't, you can't say that because it's socially not acceptable to say such things. That uh, the genders are exactly the same in all respects. Uh, well, not quite. Um, almost. Uh, we may not even need males. We may just keep a few as studs just to just for injecting the females. So they they're convinced that they got it all right and. Uh, with their psychological speculations, and now we have you know, everyone's equal in all respects, but uh, the actual result is that the whole of human society is entering into darker and darker and darker darkness. The condition of human society is terrible, and we just can't imagine how it's going to get worse and worse. As Srila Prabhupada said, there will come a time when people have children, they might say, well, that's good, because uh, at least in Europe, we need some more population. Uh, but then Srila Prabhupada said, people have children just to eat them. Can you imagine? It seems unimaginable. But then we see, uh, rapidly, as time goes on, that things, the situation in the world gets worse and worse, and it's unimaginable. What was unimaginable becomes normal. So. Persons who are actually intelligent take part in the Sankirtan movement. According to IQ tests, probably most of us here, with uh, no doubt some exceptions, <laughs> uh, would probably most of us would score above average, but nothing super, not, in, not up to what we ask. Of course, 
taking IQ tests demonstrates the kind of intelligence which is um, required for passing intelligence. Intelligence <laughs> <laughs> doesn't prove your ability to actually apply your intelligence in anything whatsoever. But uh, our devotees don't seem to be intelligent, and many people are saying that our devotees are very unintelligent. I mean, what are you spending all your life doing this? You only live once, and what are you, why are you doing this? Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was similarly criticized as being unintelligent. When he went to Varanasi, he was dancing around, and the sannyasi, what, what kind of sannyasi is this? He's supposed to be studying Vedanta, and said he's just jumping around on the streets with a bunch of <coughs> stupid, crazy people. Low class. <laughs> Low class, yeah. <laughs> sentimentalists. Of course, when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, spoke with them, they understood that, mm, <laughs> He's more intelligent than us. Uh, that is a great challenge for our devotees to to tackle the intelligent people of this world. Devotees, their intelligence is good. Their intelligence is pure uh, due to great good fortune. We're able to partake in the Sankirtan movement, and Sankirtan that purifies the intelligence. <coughs> Burijan Prabhu recounted that in Australia once Srila Prabhupada was lecturing, and you know this one? He said, Srila Prabhupada said that if you retain your seaman up to the age of 24, you'll become. Very intelligent. And looking around at all the disconsolate faces of the men around him, Srila Prabhupada said, but if you chant Hare Krishna, you'll also become intelligent. <laughs> so, it requires intelligence to take to this spiritual conscious movement, but not the a kind of intelligence that people think is, in, in the normal sense, is considered crazy. Shortly after I was admitted in the doors of this movement, uh, I asked Mukunda Goswami, who was a uh, something, Brahmachari, something like that at the time. I asked him, um, how is it that so many crazy people join this movement? <laughs> I've just been in the room a few days. And he said, that's a very interesting question. I asked the same question to Srila Prabhupada. And Srila Prabhupada replied that, well, you have to be somewhat crazy to join this movement. <laughs> what does crazy mean here? Srila Prabhupada also wrote a pamphlet, Who is Crazy? That's the first book I ever read, actually. Who is Crazy? <laughs> That's the thing I ever read. Be because that was a standard accusation against the devotees. Nowadays, to jump around the streets of a city dressed in uh, <coughs> Indian ethnic clothing with a shaved head and a little ponytail at the back, and, uh, that might be considered almost boring compared to what but some other people do. It's like you can't shock anyone nowadays. 
by Srila Prabhupada's mercy, we have got the answers to all the problems, even the problems that they don't know is a problem. The real problems, birth, death, old age, and disease, they don't even perceive it as a problem. They're so far behind in their thinking. So that is a great challenge. How to, it's like a Prahlad Hiranyakashipu. The difference between Prahlad and Hiranyakashipu in power and influence is, is much more than David and Goliath. Uh, Prahlad took full shelter of Rishimhadev and Hiranyakashipu was vanquished. Our task would be more of a uh, war of attrition. <laughs> yeah, we have to distribute these books, preach the message in these books. And it seems very difficult how we can even get into the into discussion with such people because they, they set the paradigms in such a way that the ac academia is such that you don't get funding unless you play the party line, whatever, within whichever discipline it may be. So uh, this is a, a major part of Srila Prabhupada's preaching. We see that Srila Prabhupada himself, he, he founded his movement, he traveled to nurture <coughs> the tender saplings of, of bhakti that his disciples were uh, cultivating. Uh, he, but a lot of his time went in uh, presenting these books, which he sometimes said are meant for his disciples, sometimes said they're for the sincere people, sometimes said they're meant for the most intelligent class of people. And he personally liked to meet what he called the intelligent class of people to try to convince them about Krishna consciousness. And uh, when he first came to the West, it seems, I, observation, that uh, Srila Prabhupada expected that he would move among the more intellectual circles, the thoughtful people, and discuss Krishna consciousness with them. That's how he expected it to go. But as it happened, he got the hippie class, and he worked with, he could work with. And the hippies were, were actually from a, mostly from a more intellectual kind of background, but uh, not considered very respectable in human society at that time. So uh, Sumedha Saha, those who are very intelligent, those who perceive that which is not immediately perceivable, that's also one symptom of intelligence. Um, those who are blessed by Krishna with good intelligence, uh, they can take to this Krishna conscious movement, and it's just a thought as I finish here that uh, that is a great task for our movement to contact the intelligent class of people and uh, present to them Krishna consciousness as the highest truth, the most intelligent, the, the, the best use of their intelligence, the proper, the proper use of their intelligence. <laughs> Hare Krishna, I have to prepare to leave now. Thank you very much to all the devotees, as Jai Satyananda said this morning, for a, a memorable festival, which is made possible by the participation of the, all of the audience. I have been uh, particularly the
returns and the quality of lectures. Devotees have been studying Tantra's books and meditating on them for 40 years. Few sparks of intelligence. Yeah. 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 Transcendental insights. So, all of you younger devotees, you please study Srila Prabhupada's books very carefully and praise the Lord Rishimadi for intelligence. He also gives intelligence. Vidaya Samvit in his heart is Samvit. Thank you for coming. Hope we meet again next year. Same time, same place. Yep, next year and next year and how many more? Not that many, probably. Anyway, we're eternal associates, brother. Here or there. Here or there. Oh, that wasn't on. <laughs> Not very intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get this after the lecture? Yeah. Yeah. Other people have recorded it, it too. Bhakti Vipasa Mahasaki. I also have to leave uh, right after class. Oh, yeah. And I'm on my way to uh, Russia, then uh, Far East Russia, Mongolia, and then Ukraine. Ukraine general. <laughs> so I would like to uh, make my presentation brief because of the time limit. And uh, I would like to share a few points. Let me offer first my humble and respectful obeisances to Srila Prabhupada. Nama Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Krishna Udaya Shnati Bhakti Vidanta Swami Nityananda Namaste Saraswati Devi Purana Chaya Nirvishesha Shunavari Ashtavari Krishna Jaya Sri Krishna Chaya Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So I would like to share a few notes with you. Perhaps we can read quickly the verse again. In this way, my Lord, you appear in various incarnations as a human being, an animal, a great saint, a demigod, a fish, or a tortoise, thus maintaining the entire creation in different planetary systems and killing the demoniac principles. According to the age of my Lord, you protect the principles of religion. In the age of Kali, however, you do not assert yourself as the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And therefore, you are known as Triyuga, or the Lord who appears in three Yugas. As, as Bhakti Maharaj also mentioned, that um, 
Prahlad Maharaj and uh, Lord Vrishimhadev. It is uh, on one hand related to a particular pastime of the Lord, but uh, in a different way it, is, it also refers to principle. It is an eternal principle. In one clash of Harvard mentioned <coughs> that the uh, conflict between the theists and the atheists has an eternal principle to explain. There's always there. So that's also another way to look at it. And as Shilapavanos, I mean, as the verse today also mentions, uh, the demonic principles, or killing the demonic principles. Then related to the point of the Lord, whenever he uh, <coughs> displays a particular pastime, Lila, he uh, with uh, one pastime or even just one activity, he fulfills so many different purposes. In another class, Shilapabha mentioned, I was just recently listening to it, he said that's the difference between the ordinary living entity and the Supreme Lord. Whenever he does something, then he fulfills so many different purposes. Just like he was taking care of uh, Hiranyakashipu, he was eternized the entire universe, he fulfilled that purpose, he stopped him, killed him, gave him liberation. Then he protected his uh, dear devotee, Palad Maharaj, and as Prabhupada's Prabhu also mentioned, related to the uh, heavenly planets, the order up there has been reinstalled. And uh, the Lord also satisfied his own desire to have a good fight. I just read in one purpose, Srila Prabhupada explains, sorry, this was one letter to Krishna Das. In this letter to Krishna Das, Srila Prabhupada explained <coughs> that the uh, we don't find the fighting spirit in uh, the uh, uh, Vishnu expansions of the Lord. He mentioned that. So it looks like that fighting spirit we find in Lord Krishna. He has that particular desire to have a good fight. And uh, Lord Singhadev. He is uh, being mentioned technically as the uh, Shat Aishwarya Purna Avatar. He belongs to the Paravasta category of incarnations of the Lord, which means all the six opulences of the Lord are present in the Lord Tulasimhadev. He's a full-fledged personality of Godhead. Only three are mentioned of course, Lord Krishna himself, and uh, Lord Ramachandra, and Lord Rasimhadev. They belong to this category. And all the six opulences are fully manifested. In one morning walk, 
one disciple Ashila Prabhupada that could uh, Lord Ramachandra do what Krishna has done? Because after all, he's the same person, personality of Godhead. But could Prabhupada answer? Yes, of course. But according to the time, place, circumstances, he revealed a certain pastime leader, certain qualities. But he has that uh, tattva that he could do whatever Krishna was doing. And still, it is mentioned in Srimad Bhagavatam, after listing all the different various incarnations of the Lord, expansions of the Lord, that Lord Krishna, <coughs> he is the uh, Swayam Bhagavan, he is the cause of all incarnations, of all avatars, all expansions, he is the cause of all causes. This is Lord Krishna. Um, when we when we study Srimad Bhagavatam, Shaitana Sharitamrita, and uh, specifically also Bhakti Rasamrita, Sindhu Act of Devotion, we find that the uh, knowledge contained in these literatures it is so vast and so detailed and so deep at the same time that this Krishna consciousness, this, this is our, our offer to the, to the world. Srila Prabhupada very often referred to Krishna consciousness as a science. It's such a deep and detailed knowledge contained in these literatures. It is a science. This is our offer, this is our challenge. Is there any other religion in the world who has such a detailed knowledge that the living entity can have five principal relationships with God, not just fear Him, but actually love Him, even wrestle with Him, whatever you like to do. If these uh, relationships are there, where is that knowledge? That you can climb on, on the shoulders of God. <laughs> of course, Lord Vishnu, you cannot do that. <laughs> Such detailed knowledge. It is a science. There is one nice verse in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. Krishna Tattva, Bhakti Tattva, Prem Tattva Sar, Bhava Tattva, Rasa Tattva, Lila Tattva are. Krishna consciousness means to understand the truth of Krishna, the truth of devotional service, the truth of love of Godhead, the truth of emotional <coughs> ecstasy, the truth of transcendental mellows, and the truth of the pastimes of the Lord. Okay, is this please? What's your number? This is in the Madhya Lila, 25, 265. So this one verse, when we know these uh, one, two, three, four, five principles, five tattvas of the Lord, then that, then we have a complete, a wholesome understanding of the Supreme Personality of God. Of God. Then I would like to talk a little bit about, uh, in the purport, Srila Prabhupada explained or writes, the entire Krishna consciousness movement is based on the principles of the Sankatan movement. 
one who tries to understand the Supreme Personality of Godhead through the medium of the Sankirtan movement knows everything perfectly. But before I talk on this point, uh, I just remember, I want, really wanted to share this with you. I just uh, another day I listened to a class of Shlopaka and he amusing in, in a very amusing way uh, he uh, mentioned that after the Lord killed Hiranyakashipu, he approached Lord Rama <coughs> and told him that don't give such a boon again <laughs> because it really put me into trouble <laughs> figure out all the details of course the Krishna no problem <laughs> but anyway Prabhupada commented like he mentioned that don't give such boons again. <laughs> so I thought this was an interesting point. Um, there's one nice verse in the Skanda Purana, Mahabhagavata Nityam Kalau Sankirtya Keshavam, which describes the uh, symptoms of the Mahabhagavata. And uh, specifically in this verse it is mentioned that such an elevated uh, devotee of the Lord is always engaged in chanting the holy names of the Lord and uh, spreading, spreading it. This is a symptom, particular symptom of a Mahabhagavata, the greatest transcendentalist devotee of the Lord in this age of Kali, Kalo, mentioned in this verse. So this verse perfectly describes Srila Prabhupada. He was dead. Mahabhagavata described in this particular verse, in the Skanda Purana. And uh, we, some of us, we have direct experience in being with Srila Prabhupada. He was always chanting the holy name. All the time he had his hand in the beat back, wherever he was, airport, any place, always chanting, chanting. I remember in the Sweden, we had the great fortune to be uh, in uh, Srila Prabhupada's room one evening and uh, Srila Prabhupada was chanting the Mahamantra, playing harmonium for a little more than one hour. It was such a wonderful experience. Although Srila Prabhupada was so engaged, so busy in managing uh, our society, all over the world, translating, and we know how busy Shri Prabhupada was, but still he always found some time <coughs> to sit down and just chant Hare Krishna. That's the very first thing he did when he came to America. He could have done so many other things. He just sat down, Tompkins Square Park, chanted Hare Krishna. And that's the symptom of the Mahabhagavata, the greatest. It's so important to always uh, deepen our understanding of Srila Prabhupada's position as the founder Chai of ISKCON. What is his relationship to this movement? What is his relationship to the members of ISKCON? There's an ongoing need to deepen our understanding. And Ravina uh, Sarukrabhu wrote the uh, wrote one booklet, Srila Prabhupada's position, and uh, it has been published now. 
and uh, which explains in, in a, such a wonderful way an academic and yet easy to understand way. I mean, not, not, not that easy, but... <laughs> we have to read it a couple of times. But uh, I read it, and it deepened my own understanding of Srila Prabhupada so much. And I really, uh, um, if you haven't done so, get, get a copy of this book and uh, study it. It will be translated in many different languages, German, Russian, English, I think we, how many copies we printed? 50,000, I think. Yeah. 50,000 copies. Huh? Yeah. Can also be downloaded. <coughs> That's another thing. Mm -hmm. So I highly, highly uh, not recommend. I mean, uh, whatever authority you know we have, you have to take. <laughs> <laughs> have to take this book, study it very, very carefully, and it will increase our understanding of Shri Prabhupada's position, our appreciation for Shri Prabhupada, our respect for Shri Prabhupada, and our love for Prabhupada. It's such an important book. So please get a copy and study it. So, of course, we could continue, but uh, time is limited. And uh, I have to do another short thing, uh, give uh, an initiation to one bhakti. It will take only three minutes. I just have to give the name. And. Uh, it has been arranged like this. I, I hope you will not be disturbed by it. Otherwise, there's no chance I will you know, be gone for one year. So that's her only chance. Is uh, Bhaktin Shama here? <laughs> Interesting addition to a Bhagavatam class. <laughs> so she's a very, give, give your blessings to her. She's a very nice bhakti and uh, very educated. She's originally from Bulgaria and she only lives for a few years. Uh, in Germany, and she already speaks better German than I do. <laughs> Sometimes correcting even the you know, grammar mistakes of the German devotees' letter, <laughs> letters. So I have to ask you quickly the four rules regulations. Why don't you let it go by? Come, come. What are the four rules and regulations? Make some space. Let us do it quick because we have to continue. <coughs> The four rules and regulations are to not to burden, not eat any meat, fish, and eggs. Yeah, all these nasty things, you know. Never thought of it so. To do no gambling, no illicit sex, and to take no Okay. And how many rounds every day minimum? At least 16 rounds. 16 rounds. So I leave your name Shyama because it has been given by her parents, the name, their devotees also. Uh, we would have to respect that. And your new name will be Shyama Priya Devidasi. <laughs>
So with this, with this uh, auspicious note, we can turn over to uh, His Holiness Sachinanda Maharaj to continue with the lecture program. Hare <laughs> Krishna. Thank you very much. See you next year again. Again and again. Yes, yes. yes. Next year. These festivals are so wonderful, isn't it? You should have every, 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 every year. Why do you plan this in the future to have one, a one-year festival? Yeah. A one-year festival. It would be really fantastic. You're so busy, so many. One year. In our life, a one-year festival. It would be fantastic. Another year. That's the end. Then you can relax one year afterwards. Forever, I think. Forever, Oh, there was one German shlok I just heard from Peter Prabhu. Wo man singt, lasst euch nieder. Böse Menschen haben keine Lieder. Translation, translation, translation. Translation? It doesn't work in English. <laughs> Something like, um, what is it? Where people are singing together, chanting, singing together, there you should settle. Because... Uh, Böse Menschen, evil, evil, yeah, evil, evil people, they don't have any songs. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Maharaj. Uh, thank you for your kirtan and your lecture. Namaste, Sarasati, Namaste, 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 Namaste
has become a big prince and lives in 16,108 palaces, but he is so poor, he is only in a straw hut. He thinks, uh, 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 will Krishna recognize and remind me? I have a friend, his name is Knut Fleckenstein. Uh, we used to uh, do things together when we were children and drive our teachers cr uh, crazy. And now Knut Fleckenstein is a prestigious member of the European Parliament. And uh, I thought uh, most probably he, Knut Fleckenstein will not remember Thorsten Peterson. Um, this is how I was known in, when I was ch a child, because now he is so important and I may not be known any longer. I ran away from school and Knut Fleckenstein stayed and made a big career and I just dropped out more or less. So Sudama must have felt, oh, my friend Krishna is now so famous. He's now so well known, so so he has killed biggest demons like Kamsa. He's and the whole world talks about him, and I'm a little uh, poor skinny Brahmana uh, who doesn't eat enough. Therefore, my veins are protruding. I look terrible. <laughs> so he was feeling like this, but when he went to Dwaraka. He saw in the first palace which he approached to find Krishna, Krishna alone in the gateway waiting for him. And he was really moved. Krishna had known that he would come. And although he owned 16,108 palaces, and Sudan must have been bewildered to which palace do I actually go? I mean, if you have an address with 16,000 uh, addresses, it's a very difficult word to find you. Wow. So he went, uh, and in the first palace, the, there was a lone figure in the gate. There was Lord Krishna waiting for him and saying, oh, you have come. Uh, we all know that uh, Sudama had brought a little uh, gift. It was some broken rice which was baked uh, and which had become sweat rice by now because he carried it under his armpit uh, all the way. Uh, uh, so he, he did not wish to give this uh, uh, rice to, to Lord Krishna, but Krishna accepted it. He, he took it with his own lotus hand and said, I know you have brought something uh, for me. Please let me taste it. Now, uh, Vishwanath Chakravati tells us what goes on in the mind of the Lord who loves his devotees. It's something where you might have to listen very carefully to catch the subtleties. So I'm announcing this so that you will derive a lot of benefit by listening attentive. Krishna said, something may or may not be tasty and pleasing in its own right. However, if my devotee offers it to me in love, with the expectation that I will enjoy it, 
I eat it with great pleasure without thinking twice about it. <coughs> the verb ashnami, I eat, implies that Krishna eats even a flower. Maybe to help you understand this. <laughs> when you get a meal and there's a flower, uh, and imagine you love the person who brought the meal so much that you leave no remnant and you even eat the flower, it shows you are really loving the person. So, so the verb ashnami, I eat, implies that Krishna eats even a flower, which though acceptable is not really edible. You cannot eat it. Because he is bewildered as he is by the ecstatic love he feels for his devotee. You know, when, do you know this verse? Patram Pushpam Palanto Yam. Would you like to quote it? Patram Pushpam Palanto Yam. Yome Bhakta Prayashyati. It means Krishna is explaining in the Gita that someone who offers to me, please help me, what? A flower, a water, a leaf, and a fruit. I act, accept this in the distant little love. It, it means, says Vishwana Chakravarti Thakur, that the Lord eats even the flower which is on the plate. <laughs> because he loves his devotees. He is, he is a little bewildered by that love. So, so the reason why uh, I think it is very good to think about this today is because you need to understand what is Lord Nishinadev's reason for appearing. It is the reason, it's a loving reason. He loves his devotee and he's partial you know, against those who, who are envious of his devotees. He loves them to an extent that he even accepts an imperfect offering like the sweat rice of uh, Sudama. Uh, this gives us great hope, my dear devotees. We may be imperfect, we may have faults, uh, we may be sometimes discouraged, but there should be no reason. We should turn with great attention to the Lord, who is literally very sweet. Look at Lord Nishingadev today to even convince everyone that he is a sweet Lord. He has covered himself with sandesh. Do you know that this is sandesh? It's not just an artistic decoration, it's pure sandesh. You can eat it. And he looks very sweet and joyful, you know, with his smiling mouth and. Uh, hair on his uh, <laughs> under his nose, you know, moustache. He really looks like, understand, I'm here. I'm a joyful Lord. Uh, I'm uh, uh, very much loving the devotees. So, please take this little message with you uh, in your 
Krishna conscious efforts. Uh, so, without uh, feeling discouraged, become enthusiastic to offer something to the Lord. Become enthusiastic to also turn to the Lord uh, in times when you face obstacles. Don't turn to the Lord uh, just in good times. Turn to Him in bad times as well. I, I'm serious because normally you think everyone turns to the Lord when uh, things are tough. But I've seen devotees turning to the Lord when things are tough. And turning not to the Lord, but becoming depressed and hopeless of taking counsel from material opinions and uh, taking shelter in uh, arrangements with money and so on and so forth. No, uh, the Lord waits for you and uh, to turn to Him. That is the good uh, feeling which the devotee has for the Lord. Yeah, I don't want to, uh, I have full, you know, these notes, if I would tell them to you, <laughs> you would sleep on the floor. It's so <laughs> much knowledge from Paramatma Sandava, but this would come at another time. Uh, this is the end of the festival. Uh, please, before you leave, don't forget to go before the Lord. If you have mobile phones, like you have in modern times, this is a good time to make a photo and share it with your many, many devotee friends. And yes, I want to repeat what Ravindraswaru uh, Prabhu, Bhakti Kash Maharaj, and our Mongolian preacher Swami, by Baba Maharaj, has said let us come again and again for such festivals. It is such a strong strong doses for Krishna consciousness uh, inspiration. Mm. There is really, in Krishna consciousness, these festivals are energizing us for a long time. Uh, we are poor beggars individually, but if we come to a place that the devotees assemble and sing and dance and talk about Krishna, we become rich in bhakti. We become enriched in this wonderful uh, gift of Srila Prabhupada, this bhakti. You just need to know where to find bhakti. She's there, Bhakti Devi's there, where devotees talk about the Lord and sing and do such wonderful festivals. So I want to personally thank you also very much for allowing me to come and uh, sing with you and dance with you and share with you the very nice uh, kindness of helps me very much in my Krishna consciousness. Thank you very much. Come good home and Shila Prabhupada ki Pralad Nishinga Deva ki Samaveta Bhakta Vrinda ki Hare Krishna Hare Krishna